Romans chapter number 12, we're going to just look at two verses this morning. I mean, let me give you kind of a recap of what we've been talking about all weekend. Uh, uh, obviously, the, the name of the conference is, is, is let's, try and, let's try to attain some balance. Uh, when things are out of balance, things get all messed up. How many of y'all have ever had a tire out of balance? Does that not make for a rocky ride, amen? Uh, when you get things out of balance, when you get your marriage out of balance, when you get your, your body has a chemistry that can get out of balance. There are chemicals in the brain that can get out of balance and it can just whack you out. I mean, it just is a crazy deal. This whole world is set on a balance. God wants to be balanced. God wants us to be balanced. It says God is not the author of confusion. Amen. Thank God. Uh, he is all about peace and he wants us to have peace. And when things get out of balance, it causes chaos. It causes our, our lives not to be what he wants it to be. Uh, we said several things yesterday about what, what that means in our life. What does it mean? We're not trying our primary goal. Our primary goal is not necessarily balance. Balance is a byproduct. Are y'all with me? Balance is a byproduct. In other words, if we line our lives up in the perfect will of God, we will attain balance because balance comes from being in God's will. We will be in harmony with what God wants us to do. Uh, even in the midst of a storm, we have a God who can bring peace in our heart. Even when things are difficult on the outside and all around us, we can attain peace through the touch of God. Say amen right there. Now, uh, with that being said, I want, I want to say just a couple things uh, uh, just by way. I, I was talking with a brother after, after the, the meeting yesterday, and I, I was just reminded of some things that, that I have been sharing with our... We have a widow's ministry called One Strong. Uh, and, and, and I've been, I, I'll do devotions with them and, and, and God gave me a really cool devotion the other day, uh, uh that helped, uh, some of them through the difficulties they're going through right now. And uh, how many of y'all know life changes and how many of y'all know life changes without your permission? You know, sometimes we think God's going to turn left and he turns right on us, you know, and things get all chaotic. And, and, and what happens is, is when life changes, we're not ready for the change. We're not expecting the change. We don't think it'll change. And, 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 and now we get whacked out and wigged out and we don't know what in the world's going on. And we think everything is out of control. But how many of y'all know, no matter what happens in your life, no matter how things change, God is in control. No matter how bad things get in the economy, no matter how bad things get in life, no matter how bad things get in the Middle East, God is in control. He's in control. Now, this is what I shared. This is what I shared with our ladies at the church. Our primary goal in life, our primary goal in life, in other words, the number one goal we have in life, the number one reason that we are here on this planet, I mean, God made you, God designed you, God purpose for you to do this is to bring glory to him whatever you do in word or deed whatever you do whether you eat or whether you drink do all to what the glory of God you were made to bring him glory you were designed to bring him glory everything you are to do in life is to bring glory to God that is your purpose you say well I'm purpose to preach no your purpose to bring glory to God now watch, there's a reason I'm going this way, okay? At the top of the page, what am I here to do? Bring glory to God. Say it with me. What am I here to do? Bring glory to God. Bring glory to God. Now, what does John 15 teach us? 
What does John 15 teach us? It says that I'm the vine, you're the branches. You abide in me and I abide in you, you shall bear much fruit. Amen? And then he talks about all the things he does to get more fruit out of our life. And then he says this, herein, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Are y'all with me so far? So on the top of the page, on the top of the page, we have written glorify God. I am to glorify God. Then underneath that, how do I glorify God? By bearing, by bearing fruit. Okay, we bear fruit in our life. You can bear fruit. Now, underneath that, down here, down here, we have, boy, I, I need a dry erase board right now. <laughs> no, 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 I'm kidding. No, let's just, how many of y'all can imagine there's a dry erase board right here? All right, we don't need one. Amen, all right. Okay, top of the, top of the page is we are to glorify God. All right, we glorify God by, by bearing fruit. Now, watch this. Underneath bearing fruit, we'll write, we'll write, how do we bear fruit? I, I preach the gospel. I, I encourage people. I counsel people. I, I, I teach the word. Uh, I teach life principles. So I am, I am bearing fruit by my individual responsibility. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all know a plumber can bear fruit? Y'all are a little weak right there. How many of you know you can bear fruit? If you've ever had a toilet clogged up, you know he can help you. Say amen. amen. How many of y'all know a painter can bear fruit? I've seen places out here where people are painting. and glory. How many of y'all know somebody cutting the grass can bear fruit? They were serving God. They were out here cutting the grass and making it look pretty for Sunday morning. Hey, you bear fruit in your life by your individual responsibilities. Some people are bearing fruit by what they do in, in, in the schoolhouse. Some people are bearing fruit by what they do in the warehouse. Some, are y'all with me? We have, all of us have individual responsibilities that God has given us. Now watch this. Glorifying God, glorifying God, that never changes. No matter what we are, who we are, where we are, we are to glorify God. That never changes. Bearing fruit, watch this, bearing fruit never changes. No matter who we are, no matter what we do, no matter where we are, we are to bear fruit. Glorifying God never changes, bearing fruit never changes, but guess what? Your individual responsibility, it may change. And it can change. Say, preacher, what are you getting at? I'm sitting here talking to 15 or 20 uh, widows from our church. And their primary responsibility most of their life was to take care of their husband. Guess what? That changed. And you know what happens sometimes in life? When we focus, when we focus and get all of our identity, we get everything about us from the individual responsibility and not the primary goal. When the individual responsibility changes, guess what happens? We get whacked out. What do we do now? My whole life, I did this. I have a teacher, I have a teacher, a public school teacher, who had to uh, retire because of her health. And she's just about to lose her mind. Because all of her identity was wrapped up in the fact that she was a school teacher. Everything about her, her fulfillment, her satisfaction came from the fact that she was a teacher. Now, what did she not understand? You're to glorify God. That never changes. You are to bear fruit. That never changes. But what you do in your individual responsibility, it may change. It may change. But that's okay. Because there are more than one way 
to bear fruit. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Say, what's this got to do with the lesson? What's this got to do with Romans chapter number 12? Watch this. Let's read it. Let's read it. Romans chapter number 12. <clears throat> I keep playing with the mic. It's going to change. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get it. It's just weird on my ear. Amen. Uh, mine's on my left ear. Isn't it amazing how creatures of habit we are? Amen. Uh, Romans 12 verse 1. Are you there? Say amen. amen. I beseech you, therefore. The key word in these two verses is the word therefore. Therefore. Why is the word there? For in this place. Anytime you see that word, you go back and you read the verses beforehand, the chapters beforehand, and it'll tell you why he's fixing to say what he's fixing to say. Are y'all with me? And I'll explain that in just a second. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, Paul said, what I'm asking of you right now is not above and beyond the call of duty. It's not, you're not a great Christian because you surrender your life to him. Now think about that. Sometimes we look at people who are totally surrendered to God and think, boy, they're super Christian. No, they're not. They're just doing the reasonable thing. We have a reasonable God. Amen. Now look, it says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Why? Here it is. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect what? Will of God. Do you know what we have learned this weekend? That the way to peace in our life, the way to harmony in our life, the way to balance in our life is to find fulfill, and keep ourselves in the perfect will of God. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, according to this chapter, Paul begins to tell us. From chapter 1 all the way to chapter 11, he gives us theology. He gives us reasons, and, and he gives us truth about what God has done for us. You remember what I said, that word, therefore? Why did he put that there? He said, because of what I said in Romans 1 through 11, I'm going to ask you to do something for God. Because of what I shared with you from Romans 1 to Romans 11, I, you've got a responsibility to God. Because of what I shared, therefore, are y'all with me? From Romans 1 to 11, we learn that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We learn that man is in a condemned condition. Man is without God and his son. And because of sin, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What is he saying? Man is a sinner. Man is condemned. Without God, man is in a bad way. Without God, man is cursed. Man is under condemnation. But he also said this, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He said man is an awful sinner, but the Jesus is a great Savior. Amen? He died for you. He shed his blood for you. He came to forgive you. And because of that, in Romans 10, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved whosoever means me whosoever means you whosoever means the drunk on the street whosoever means the drug addict whosoever means the whoremonger it doesn't matter who you are you can call on Jesus and he'll save your soul today somebody say amen 
And because of all of that, because of our wonderful salvation, therefore, ladies and gentlemen, He saved you. He forgave you. He redeemed you. He delivered you. Therefore, I'm sorry to be getting all excited in Sunday school, but it is what it is. Amen. How can you think about what he's done for you and not get excited? How many of y'all, by the raising of your hand, remember the day he reached down for you? Do you remember what the Bible says? He said, the psalmist says this, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my foot on a rock and established my goings and put a new song in my mouth. Can you remember that day? Listen, therefore. That's right. Therefore. Therefore. Since you're saved. Since there is no condemnation, since you have a home in heaven, since he has delivered you and forgiven you, he says this, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Because of all he's done for us, number one, if you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write down. After you're saved, most people think once you get saved and once you get baptized and you join the, the local church uh, and, and you start coming to Sunday school, that's all there is to it. No, sir. No, ma'am. Paul is speaking to saved people. He said, because of what God's done for you, I ask you, I beg you, I plead with you that you will present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see, here's the deal. Sacrifice represents death. A sacrifice died. Are y'all with me? But God is not asking you, well, technically, physically, physically, God's not asking you to die for him because he already died for you. And because he died for you, he's asking you to live for him. Y'all with me? But in order for us to live for him, we have to die to self. So there is a dying going on. It's a dying to our own wishes. It's a dying to our own desires. It's our dying to our own wants because you can't follow him and follow you too. Y'all with me? There must be a presentation. There must be a presentation. Watch what he says. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because God has been so merciful to you, that ye present yourself. That's the key. How many of y'all know God is a perfect gentleman? A perfect gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. He wants you to come before him and say like the prophet, here am I, send me. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. Look here. Romans 6.13. It ties in with this verse. Romans 6.13. Neither, neither yield ye your members. The word members means your body parts. Your hands, your feet, your ears, your mouth, your eyes. He said, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield surrender, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Look at that. 
Your members, your hands, your, your ears, your mouth, your feet, your, 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 the parts of your body, your members as instruments. You know that word instrument? If you look that word up, it means a tool or a weapon. A tool or a weapon. You, you build with a tool and you battle with a weapon. And you know what? You know what Paul is trying to tell us here? That every day of your life, you need to stand before God and present yourself and say, God, here am I. Use me as a tool to build with. Use me as a weapon to battle with. Lord, use me as a tool to build the kingdom of God with. Lord, use me as a weapon to battle Satan and the forces of evil. God, use me any way you want to see fit. Use me however you want to. Use me wherever you want to. Use me whenever you want to. God, here am I. Send me. Oh, I want to know the will of God. I'm just praying that God will reveal and open my eyes to the will of God. There's only one problem. You won't present yourself. You won't surrender and say, here am I. Send me. You won't do that. You, you, listen, until that surrender takes place, until that dying takes place, it's never going to happen. Why should God reveal to something to you that he knows you're not going to do anyway? I, uh, I hate being uh, uh, being real honest. I, I can be honest with my people because they're going to love me anyway. Amen. I'm all they got. They ain't got nothing else. Amen. Uh, but let me tell you something, and I hope you don't think too bad of me. When I was a little kid, when I was a little kid, uh, my dad had camp meetings. I grew up in an old-time church, and we had an old-time camp meeting. I don't know if anybody's ever, ever heard of that or whatever, uh, but, but in, in the old time, listen, you didn't just go to church at night. You went to church in the day, too, and, 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 and they'd cook breakfast, and they'd cook, uh, 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 they'd cook dinner, and then they'd cook supper. Are y'all with me? And if you say lunch and dinner, you ain't country. Say amen right there. But that's how they'd cook. They'd cook three meals a day. You'd go to church in the morning, and you'd go to church in the evening all week long. I'm talking about, we can't even go one day a week now, but it, we went twice a week and had preacher after preacher. When one preacher got through, we had more time, we'd throw another enough there. Amen? I mean, you got as much preaching and eating as you could do. We was going to do two things. We was going to preach, and we was going to eat. Say amen. amen. Well, during that period of time, uh, my dad would let us, me and my brother, you know, we, we went to school, and, and uh, during camp meeting week, he'd let us out of school to go to church, but we had to go to the church services. Now, now I was kind of young, and church was kind of boring to me because it was a little bit over my head, but I was all about getting out of school, amen? Well, I was in the morning church service. I was in the morning church service, and, and I was sitting there, and I wasn't really paying attention. I was sitting with uh, one of the friends in, in, in the church about three-quarters of the way back, <clears throat> and we had a missionary up there preaching, and his name was Bob Green, and uh, he was about six Six five, six six, maybe. Uh, big, tall, just just a commanding figure. He had an arm that looked like it was thirty feet long, and a finger about eighteen feet long. And son, he would preach, and he would just throw that hand out there, and he was preaching. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of the service, I don't know how all of a sudden I perked up and paid attention, but he was preaching on serving God. He was preaching on surrender, and he stopped right in the middle of his message, and he threw his old hand out there, and his finger at me, looked like it was dangling at the end of my nose. He said, I want that boy right there to be a missionary. And I'm like, what? I said, man, you need to aim that finger somewhere else. I done seen what missionaries do. Man, them people have to eat crickets. 
Hey, they were, when I was a kid, I grew up, and, and, and the missionaries would come with them, uh, what do you call them, them the, 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 the little slide pictures? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? It's, see, we, it's been so long, we don't even have them no more. Uh, what is it? Yes, exactly. Had, had the little pictures, and they, they show, man, I done heard stories of cannibals and, and, and having to eat roaches. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to be a missionary. I don't. And from that point on, I had this mortal fear that God was going to call me to be a missionary. I'm telling you, I said, God, I don't want to be no missionary. Lord, have mercy. Well, then God began to call me to preach. I was 17 years old when I surrendered, but he, he started on me probably from about the age of 14. I knew God was calling me to preach. And I, but this is my thought. Listen, if he calls me to preach and I surrender, that's just the next step to being a missionary. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Well, I just got tired of running, and I, I said, well, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, I'm going I'm to I'm, I'm, I'm surrender to preach, but I ain't being no missionary. How many of y'all know you, you don't bargain with God? I go to school, whole time in school, I'm thinking, Man, I hope I don't have to be a missionary. Well, I hope God don't send me to Zimbabwe. Hey, man, I don't want to. Lord, don't make me be a missionary. And I got out of school, and I, I, I decided to go to my father's and be his assistant because I figured if I went down there, he wouldn't make me be a missionary. Out of the will of God, I, I moved my family to South Florida, and it was, a, it was, it was horrible. How many of y'all know getting out of the will of God is not a pleasant adventure? So I go back, I go back to South Carolina and, 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 and I take a little church up there in Barnwell, South Carolina. Three years I was there. Never could feel comfortable. Never could feel at peace. Hey, God was saving people. It was an incredible thing. God moved in that church. It was unbelievable. And I was miserable. Because the whole time, I thought I had to be a missionary. Regardless of the fact, I was not surrendered to God's will. I was, I was serving him in a way, but I wasn't surrendered. Well, it came to a point I was tired of that feeling. I was tired of having no peace. I was tired of feeling like I was running. I said, God, I can't take it no more. Lord, I don't care where it is. I don't care what you want. I'll do it. If it's Zimbabwe, I'll go eat cricket. Say amen. And the moment, the moment that I said, Lord, I don't care. Wherever, whenever, however, the mission field of Alabama called my name. Amen. <laughs> and here I am. I've been serving over there since 99, and God's doing an incredible work, and I have peace in my heart. Say, so what's the point, preacher? The point is this. God didn't necessarily want me to go to Zimbabwe, but God wanted me to say yes in case he asked. Do y'all get that? God wants a willing heart. God wants a surrender. God wants you to come and present your life to him and say, God, use me. If it's a Sunday school teacher, if it's a choir member, if it's a, listen, if it's a, a, a parking lot usher, if it is a, whatever it may be, if it's a bus driver, God, here am I. Oh, I want to know God's will. I want to be in the perfect will of God. There's only one problem. You have not surrendered yet. And you can't prove what is the perfect will of God till you let go and say, God, whenever. You see, this is how this works. This is what we want. Okay, God, tell me everything about it, and then I'll let you know what I'm going to do. 
That's what most Christians do. But that's not the way God operates. You remember what he told Abraham? Get up and go somewhere, I'm going to tell you. Abraham didn't say, can you give me the GPS coordinates on that right there? I need to know the details. I need to, I need to, I need to know the explanation of where, where you want me to go. No. He got his family, and he got up, and he started. Not knowing where he was going, not knowing how far away it was, not knowing what was going to be there when he got there. And we know Abraham is a man of great faith. That's what God is after. You see, you can't... How, how many of y'all have ever gone to auctions? How many of y'all have ever gone to auctions? Raise your hand if you're going to... How many of y'all like auctions? Listen, do you know they, they've got this thing... It's, it's a, uh, what is it when they put a cap on it? If it don't reach a certain, uh, where they no sale it, is it? Reserve. Reserve. That's it. That's it. That's, that's great. That's the word. I, the first time I went to an auction, it was a horse auction. And they was bidding on this horse, and man, it was a beautiful horse. It was a paint, and, and uh, it was colored up so pretty, and, 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 but they just couldn't get the, the price up. And I thought, man, somebody is going to steal this horse right here. It is a smoking deal. I, I'm telling you, they're going to win this. And all of a sudden, they said, no sale. I said, what? What do you mean, no sale? So there was a reserve on it. In other words, if it did not reach a certain place, they, they won't sell it. Now, this is what we do with God. We put reserves on God. God anywhere and everywhere and everything except for. Oh, Lord, we'll do whatever up until. See, God don't work that way. The only way God works, he's like a Barrett-Jackson auction. No reserve. No reserve. It's got to be whenever. It's got to be wherever. It's got to be however. Because until that takes place, you have not completely surrendered to the perfect will of God. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, let's look at the second thing. Let me check my timepiece here. All right, we good, Tony, we good. Amen. All right, watch this. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present. You're, you're saying by that presentation, Lord, I present myself to you. And by the way, you need to do that right here in, in this local assembly. Have you, have you gone to God and said, God, what do you want me to do here? Well, I, I, I come, I attend, that's not enough. If you are a member or if you are a regular attender of this place, you are a part of this body and you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to show up. You have a responsibility to support it financially. You have, more than anything, you have a responsibility to experience and use your gift to be a blessing to this body. I'm, let me just stop right here. because this is, this is where, this is why so many churches are handicapped. Because Paul, he explained and he expressed that every member of the body of Christ is a part of the body. He used the physical body as an illustration to illustrate each and every person's responsibility. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He said some are ears, some are eyes, some are a nose, some are a mouth, some are... In other words, every single person in this room, you are a part of the body of Christ, and as a part of the body of Christ, you have an individual responsibility. And this is what he says. 
when, when one part of that body is missing, it handicaps the body. It limits the body. In other words, the body can still live and the body will still operate, but it severely, it severely hinders the productivity and the, and the ability that the body has. Preacher, what are you saying? When some people in the body of Christ are not fulfilling their responsibilities, it puts extra pressure on the other ones that's trying to do their responsibility and yours too. That's good, preacher. Just preach on right there. Amen. Hunker down right there. It got real quiet. Well, we don't like to hear this kind of preaching, do we? We, 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 don't, like, we don't like it when, when uh, you mean really, God, we're obligated to something? Yes. And by the way, it's not a big ass for Brother Tony, Pastor Tony, to ask you to accomplish something in this church. According to the Apostle Paul in verse number one, he said it's just the reasonable thing. Let me put it this way. Uh, if you're coming and you're getting blessed and you're coming and you're getting fed, if you're coming and you're getting, and you're getting encouraged and you're getting built up in your faith and you're getting edified, what are you putting back in it? Well, preacher, I put my dollar every week. Listen, listen. Are you using your gift are you using the thing that God gave you specifically that he didn't give to nobody else to use and to bless and edify? What if Brother Tony didn't show up? What, what, if, what, if, the, what if the guys driving the buses didn't show up? What if the greeters didn't show up to open and welcome the doors and open and, and greet you with a smile? What if the singers this week decided not to sing? Well, it'd, it'd be a rough service, wouldn't it? I, 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 saw a, I saw a sign. I saw a sign outside of a church that said, what if every member was as committed as you? What kind of church would this be? I thought, ooh. I, I beg you. I beg you. Let's do King James. I beseech you. Because of what God has done for you, by the mercies of God, that today you say, whatever, God. Whatever. Well, how, how can I know what God wants me to do in this church? Very easy. Come to Pastor Tony and says, give me something to do. Preacher, what if you had a line outside the church waiting to say, give me something to do? It would grow hair on top of his head. Do you know how excited, how thrilled that the pastor gets when people want to do something to help build the kingdom of God? One of the greatest misconceptions of a large church. This is a large church, by the way. You're larger than, than, than the majority of churches in America. The average size church in America is about 60 to 80. 
That's the average. So y'all, y'all are very large compared to the average in America. But do you know the problem with large churches? Because we go to a large church too, it's, it's developed into a, a large church. Do you know the greatest misconception of a large church? They got plenty of help. They've got plenty. They don't need me. I don't know why I'm getting on all this stuff. It's not in the notes, but hey, here we go. Look, I, I, I beg people. I want, I want everybody to know, listen, we need you. We need you. We've got areas of ministry that are desperately needing volunteers, that are desperately needing help. We need you. God needs you. This church needs you. This community needs you. But that'll never happen till you say, Lord, whatever, whenever, however, Lord, just, just use me. You say, preacher, I don't have no skills. I don't know anything. I don't know. I don't, I don't have nothing to offer. You know what? If God can take a little shepherd boy and beat the snot out of a giant, if God can take one little lad's lunch and put on the largest fish buffet ever known to man, say amen. amen. Do you know God can take very small things and do great things with them? Do you know that the disciples were known, this is how they were classified, as ignorant and unlearned men. Ignorant and unlearned men. And you know what it says they did? They turned the world upside down, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I heard somebody say, somebody, one of our members invited somebody to church and and all of, our, all of our services on the internet, so people watch them all the time. And, 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 and they said, oh, you go to the temple over that church where that man don't talk good English? <laughs> Listen, if God can take a country hick redneck coon hunter that does not talk good English and build an awesome church, God can use anybody. Amen. He can use you, and he wants to use you. But that'll never happen till you say, God, whenever, however, wherever, use me. Use me. Let me tell you something. And I'm done. I got two minutes. And I'm using both of them. <laughs> I'm going to use it all. Amen. Listen. Listen. I, I, I don't know how to express to you how I love doing what God called me to do. When, when God was calling me to preach, you got to remember, I, I grew up a preacher's kid, so I, I saw all the, the junk. I saw all the politics. I saw all the people that my dad did his best to love and they stabbed him in the back. I saw all the times that he was there throughout their horrible marriage and throughout their crazy kids and doing all this stuff for them and, and for them to just turn around and, and, and go and have amnesia and forget everything he'd done and just cut his throat and him smile the whole time and love him anyway. Now, I'm, I got a lot more redneck in me. Say amen right there. I'm like an Old Testament Christian, an eye for an eye, you know, let's, let, you know. But man, my dad was the epitome, the epitome of turn the other cheek. 
And I thought when God said, I want you to preach, I said, uh-uh, I'll kill brother. Say amen right there. They, they ain't doing that to me. Not me. I couldn't even imagine myself. But you know what? Now that I'm doing what God called me to do, I honest to God, I could not, I could not imagine doing anything else but God's perfect will for my life. Listen, surrender today. Give God your life today. Let's glorify him by bearing fruit, by doing what he's called us to do.